Hello and welcome back to another Coffee and Heroes podcast. Coming back to you with our preview show, this time nice and early. Not leaving it to the last minute like last time. Say nothing. But no, we're back uh, with a, a new preview show, as I say. We're going to be looking at February previews books for the releases coming out in April of 2023 and beyond, as there's always a few advanced solicits in there as well. So your host is always Alan, the owner of Coffee and Heroes in Belfast, and I'm joined as always by Keith. Good evening, sir. How are you? I am all right. Glad to be finished the day's work, frustrating that it was, and uh, and and sort of just the cherry on top is uh, is, is getting to spend a, spend a couple hours chatting uh, about comics with your good self. Oh, always with the compliments. Compliments will get you everywhere. Just so you know. <laughs> just so you know. I think we're well past compliments at this stage. <laughs> I'd say so. I'd say so. But but yeah, this is the preview show. I mean, if it's your first time with us, welcome first of all. But if you've listened to us before, you know our sort of format for these things. We like to go through the DC book, which is called DC Connect. You've got your Marvel previews book, and then you've got your main previews book, which is all your independent based uh, titles. So I mean, <clears throat> looking at the books, as I say, DC, you've got DC Connect. It's always available in store in uh, paper form. You can have a flick through it in the shop, or you can always look it up easily enough online. Just Google DC Connect, and you'll find uh, a digital copy. But I have to say, this is a, a quieter month for DC, which is not a bad thing. When we've talked before about you know downsizing pull lists and keeping it a little bit tight. So for me, there's a lot of good stuff in the DC book, but it's stuff I'm already on. Uh, there's not really a lot of jumping on points either. I think a lot of the jumping on points were the month before, uh, and we'll. We'll point out those titles because there are some in here that are hitting number two, for example, or is number two after a jumping on point. And we can still get those titles on the pull list for you that are due out in March. So we'll certainly point those titles out for you. But the book itself, as I say, there's a couple of new Dawn of DC titles, one which I'm very happy to see back. Uh, The DC Universe has not been the same without a certain Emerald Archer. So I'm looking forward to that book. There's a continuation of expanding the Superman universe, which we'll we'll talk a little bit about. The Sandman universe is getting a little bigger again. And then there's some nice hardcovers and uh, collected editions to keep an eye out for. And maybe even an absolute or two, just to throw a bit of advice your way on some absolute classic DC, or I should say Vertigo stories. Uh, Vertigo, RIP. But uh, yeah, that's the DC book. As I say, it's pretty straightforward and we'll jump into it in a moment. But uh, what is the uh, Marvel book looking like this month? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I, I think we both thought that there was a, there was a bit more going on in the Marvel book uh, as, we, as we kick into spring of 2023 in April. Um, certainly, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 will be coming out uh, in the cinema. And uh, they're embracing that uh, full force with a lot of... Uh, Guardians heavy comic book content, uh, whether that be a, a brand new volume of Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, uh, whether it be uh, sort of the Marvel Tales uh, reprints of uh, of uh, some some raccoon Rocket Raccoon stories, um, we've got the uh, a facsimile edition of um, the Strange Tale book that uh, that introduced Adam Warlock, who we know to be appearing in. Um, in Guardians Volume Three, and also uh, Warlock Rebirth, which is a, a new version of a, uh, of a of an old character by uh, by uh, Marvel masters Ron Mars and Ron Lim. And in addition, we've got Ralph Macchio on a Guardians of the Galaxy uh, one shot as well. So an awful lot going on there. Uh, on the X Men side of things, we have the conclusion of Sins of Sinister the Edge of Apocalypse style miniseries that is sort of 
going on at the minute uh, and uh, just kicked off and the first issue was thoroughly enjoyable. We've got the kickoff of some new volumes, some new licenses, uh, or the return of some old licenses perhaps more specifically, <clears throat> and the continuation of a lot of books that uh, kicked off at the beginning of 2023. So, yep, uh, plenty going on on the, on the Marvel side. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to see that there's jumping on points on there for a lot of sort of bigger titles, certainly titles that we enjoy, which we'll get to. And I have to say there is definitely that event kicking off within the, the Captain America world, which I think will be one mm. of the ones to watch this year, you know, given the, the talent involved in that. <clears throat> I mean, when we look at the indie book, you know, as usual, there's the strong month for Image Comics. There's a couple of really cool looking new uh, number ones, a couple of mini series in there. There's a, a cracking looking music based anthology title, which uh, I'll look forward to having a little chat about. Gives me sort of blue and green vibes mm -hmm. uh, a little bit. There's tons of great graphic novels uh, coming out from Image, which I'm definitely going to point out. A lot of them are ones that were some of my favorite titles of 2022. And even uh, a nice compendium for what for me is one of the underrated gems of Image Comics. So we'll certainly jump into that as well. There's a, a couple of new titles from Boom that look great. A nice new mini-series uh, dealing with the different seasons of the year, which looks really, really interesting, really sort of horror-based. Uh, Dynamite are kicking things off with <clears throat> pardon me, Dynamite are kicking things off with a little bit of a, a celebration for 70 years of James Bond. Jeez, um, that, that doesn't seem right to me. Well, I suppose if it's to do with the books, that's fine. But James Bond movies started in 1962, so we would have had 61 years of Bond. So don't test me on my Bond knowledge. I will uh, I will come out swinging. Uh, but <laughs> there's a few other nice little bits and pieces in there as well from a couple of the smaller publishers. I see there's something there that Keith will be very much looking forward to, uh, one of his favourite pulp heroes, getting a special. So, yeah, plenty to uh, to dig the teeth into uh so as always we'll kick things off with dc i have a feeling that we're going to blaze through dc here in about 10 minutes as i say it's not the biggest of books but one thing it does kick off with is uh giving a little bit of information for something in may uh, as opposed to April, and that is Free Comic Book Day. So Free Comic Book Day is always the first uh, Saturday of every May. The idea being that a lot of publishers get together to publish special edition books that are available for free in comic stores. So we do pay for them as a store, but the idea is that it's a good way of attracting people to your store. You know, free comics with every purchase. Uh, they're always showing off some of the most uh, some of the most exciting up and coming titles. So DC are showing off their book uh, or their main book, I should say. They always do a few, but there's always one main book, and that is the Dawn of DC, which seems to be their their semi reboot new initiative. So. The Dawn of DC uh, Free Comic Book Day is uh, hitting, as I say, the first Saturday of May, which is the 6th. Uh, and what this is, is uh, an exploration of what's to come. So Dawn of DC is a year-long publishing initiative with epic storylines and superstar creative teams that forge the future one hero at a time. Dawn of DC will shine the spotlight on a number of fan-favorite superheroes and supervillains that haven't been front and center for, for some time. It's an easy entry point for both lifelong readers and those picking up a comic for the first time. Don't miss the special edition featuring an all-new original story, plus sneak peeks at upcoming titles. So, if you're looking at jumping into DC Comics for the first time, for example, this might be a great starting point. I think this is all about making it as user-friendly for new readers as possible. But I'm sure there'll be some fan-favorite characters coming back for older fogies like myself and older readers. But, you know, they... they talk there about how they're going to be bringing back some characters that haven't been front and center well the main title that has me excited this month 
pretty much encapsulates that. We're finally getting a green arrow, but now it has been a while. The last run, I believe, was the Benjamin Percy run that was done through Rebirth. But, you know, when in doubt, call Joshua Williamson. So Joshua Williamson's going to be taking over Green Arrow uh, as writer. You're going to have art by Sean Isaac. The preview art pages look absolutely glorious, even in their uh, primarily inked form. There's no colours added there just yet. You're going to have your usual rake of variant covers with this. Frank Cho, David Nakayama, a couple of incentive ones as well. But what's interesting about this is it's solicited as a six-issue miniseries. But I did see that Joshua Williamson talked online about how this seems to be a new thing that publishers are starting to do. They're not over-committing. We talked about it a few months ago. Mm. They're not over-committing on titles. But if it does well enough, they'll do more. So Joshua Williamson has said, you know, if this book receives big orders and people are digging it, he's got plans for longer. So six issues to kick things off. But as I say, could go for more. So... Green Arrow number one, the Emerald Archer is lost and it will take Oliver Queen's whole family to find him. But dangerous forces are determined to keep them apart at any cost. Spinning out of Dark Crisis on Infinite Earth, Green Arrow by DC architect Joshua Williamson. It's a fancy sounding title. Mm-hmm. Uh, and artist Sean Isaac, who was the artist on Thunderbolts. Uh, in an action-packed adventure across the DCU that will set the stage for major stories in 2023. So I will be straight on that, I have to say. I love me a Green Arrow story. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm I'm straight in there. The uh, the, uh, the the creative team. I mean, you know what I mean. Joshua Williamson on on pretty much anything. Um, it'll be it'll be great to see. Uh, I mean, he did such good work as you well know on the Flash uh, during Rebirth, uh, and I'm really interested to see him on on Oliver Queen, and it looks great. Yeah, the the preview art pages are are genuinely just detailed, intricate, f- filled with characters. Uh, yeah, it looks really, really cool. Uh, and again, I think the pre-orders now will be big. I've already started receiving pre-orders for that because it was announced a few weeks before the DC book came out. So yeah, definitely one to, to throw onto your pull list there, guys. So yeah, Green Arrow number one. So that's one fan-favorite character coming back. I Do I spot another fan-favorite character making a return? Yeah, absolutely. I've been a huge fan of Connor Kent ever since uh, uh, Return of the Superman. Uh, after after the death of Superman uh, and funeral for a friend, when uh, the clone or a clone of Superman was one of four individuals, including Steel, who were introduced. Um, so, Connor Kent actually, this is uh, you know DC Comics Round Robin competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, so last the previous year, it was won by it was won by Robins, uh, which kind of you know makes sense with regard to the name of the competition. <laughs> Uh, but uh, the confusingly named competition was last year won by Connor Kent, so uh, that's why we're seeing a, uh, a Connor Kent uh, book appearing uh, right now. It is Superboy, the Man of Tomorrow, uh, one of six. Uh, it's written by Kenny Porter, uh, who has written Superman and Green Lantern for DC, and also uh, uh, the Yakuza stuff for for Sega. Uh, as well. The artist is uh, Janoy Wilson. I know that name from uh, Hawkeye Kid Bishop uh, and Black Panther uh, Legends, I think was the name of the the, the, the one. But uh, but yeah, this is on sale on the 18th of April. Connor Kent takes center stage. After the events of Dark Crisis, Connor feels out of place with the rest of the hero community. He doesn't fit in with the rest of the Superman family and the rest of the world doesn't really need him. Uh, with so many supers in Metropolis. He doesn't want to rely on Tim, Cassie and Bart, so Connor looks to the stars as a place he might be able to call his own, carve out his own path. But what lurks 
in the great unknown or bravado and swagger enough to help Superboy find his new calling. Uh, so that uh, that looks like a that looks like a good one. They, I mean, Connor Kent's back front and center in uh, PKJ's uh, Action Comics, uh, which was a fantastic uh, sort of relaunch very very recently last 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 week. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, uh, it's cool to see him. Cool to see him picked up here. Yeah, I mean, that's it. They're continuing to expand the Superman universe in general, action comics, uh, Superman. Those are now, they're, they're being treated as separate titles, so to speak. Action comics is like the family book. Superman is the, the main Superman book. But then you've got Adventures of Jonathan Kent from Tom Taylor. You've then got this one. So, so yeah, DC are definitely putting uh, Superman front and center of the DC universe. I mean, he'll probably not have as many titles as Batman has, but, you know, that's... <laughs> That would be impossible at this point, but, <clears throat> you know, continuing through this book, I just mentioned Adventures of Superman, Jonathan Kent, so issue two is due in April, which of course means issue one is March, so still time to jump on that. We see Superman 3 is solicited here. Again, Superman 1 hasn't come out. It is due this month, but we've ordered quite big on it, so again, if you're a little late to the party on this one, just let us know and we'll we'll get that sorted for you as well. Um but continuing through, you've got, you know, your continuations of Batman Detective Comics. They're uh, hip deep in the middle of story arcs at this point, so there's no wee jumping on point there, unfortunately. Uh, but there is a new Sandman title starting, and James Tinian is continuing to write for DC. He said he was done after Nice House on the Lake, but if there was one thing that could keep him at DC, it was Sandman. So he did one called the Sandman Universe Nightmare Country. Well, now he's doing a follow-up to that, so... The Sandman Universe Nightmare Country, The Glass House, number one. Once again, one of six. You're sensing this theme. And uh, this is with James Tinian writing and Lissandro S. Theron on R2 as the artist on the previous Nightmare Country as well. So if you're into your Sandman stuff, this will be right up your alley. The Corinthian has been turned loose on our realm once more. And this time he sets his sights on the very root of rapacious American capitalism, Silicon Valley. His relentless pursuit of the Smiling Man will carve a bloody path from the C-suite of profit capital to the bowels of a demonic nightclub. And no one will be able to be safe from his reach. Not Ken living large in the Bay Area since parting ways with Barbie all those years ago. Not Max, a nervous hedge fund manager on the rise who's never quite fit in anywhere. Not anyone. Multiple Eisner Award winning writer James Tinian IV reunites with superstar horror artist Lysandra Stern to bring you the nightmare fueled follow up you have been craving. So, <coughs> the previous volume, as I say, is due. <coughs> I have to apologise, I seem to have a bit of a cough the whole way through this. Uh, but the previous volume is due, I think, in March in trade paperback form and hardcover form. So you'll be able to catch up if you do want to jump into this in single issues and not be too lost. But one thing in terms of their big collected editions that there went, uh, that DC have went big on this month is Dark Crisis. So, or Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths to give it its full new title. <laughs> so there's four hardcovers here now. DC do this with their events, and I think it's a good way to do it. They did it with metal, they did it with death metal. You would have one hardcover that would focus on the main event, which in this case is seven issues long. But then you'd have hardcovers for the tie-in issues and the connecting stories and so forth. And that's exactly what they've done here. So there's four hardcovers due out. They are all due out within uh, two weeks of each other. So you've got Dark Crisis and Infinite Earths. That's your issues one to seven. So that's the whole um, main event. You've got Tales from Dark Crisis, which has stories written by the likes of Joshua Williamson, Ram V, Mark Wade, Alex Pacnadel, and more. You've got Dark Crisis Worlds Without a Justice League. These were a series of one-shots that imagined 
a world without each individual Justice League member. Again, great talent involved in that. The likes of Tom King, Simon Spurrier, Stephanie Phillips, uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson. And then you've got the last one, which is Dark Crisis Young Justice. That was a six-issue miniseries written by Megan Fitzmartin and art by Laura Braga as well. So if you want to... You can jump into just Dark Crisis and Infinite Earths if you wish, but if you want that extra story, then that is a way to uh, to collect it all, all in reading order, nice and convenient as well. You've got the next couple of Batman One Bad Day hardcovers coming, Two-Face and Penguin. Two-Face arguably the weakest one so far, I would say, but I really did like the Penguin one. But we go from that hardcover to one of the best hardcovers, you know, if, again you're bored listening to us at this point we're going to keep ramming it down your throat nightwing volume 3 hardcover is due this month as well so continuing on the amazing series by tom taylor and bruno redondo this is going to cover nightwing uh, issues 92 to 96 and uh it's called the battle for Bloodhaven's heart so it, it goes very deep into the relationship with heartless uh to say the least there so yeah, tons of great uh, trades coming out. Uh, one more I just want to throw out quickly is History of the DC Universe. This was uh, an older title. This is uh, coming back into print. It was written by Marv Wolfman, art by George Perez and Carl Kessel. And the cover is an absolutely glorious one from Alex Ross. So this was Marv Wolfman and George Perez's epic companion, The Crisis on Infinite Earths, which returns to print in this stunning hardcover edition that outlines the greatest events ever to take place in the past, present and future of the DC Universe after the consolidation of the multiverse during the events of Crisis. Amplified by the vibrant colours of Tom Zuko, Wolfman and Perez's history guidebook is a visual and informational treasure trove that every DC fan should own. So that collects history of the universe in 1 and 2. So, um, yeah, a couple of other hardcovers just uh, quickly, just before Keith finishes off with the title. You've got Wonder Woman Historia, the Amazons, which is the black label title, uh, written by Kelly Sudaconic with three different artists, Phil Jimenez, Gina Ha, and Nicholas Scott. That's hitting hardcover and is one of the most glorious looking series you'll ever see. And then the latest chapter in Sean Murphy's White Knight saga, Batman Beyond the White Knight, hits hardcover as well. And I noticed that that says the latest chapter not the last chapter so could there be more white knight from um sean murphy on the horizon we shall see but that's all from mm-hmm. me but i believe there was one classic series you wanted to shine a little oh light yeah classic is uh, is exactly the word uh we have a 20, 2023 edition of absolute preacher volume one uh written by our own garth ennis uh you can uh, you can hear our interview with garth um a little while back um last year uh, it was an absolute pleasure to talk to. Art by the late lamented uh, Steve Dillon, who passed, sadly passed away in 2016, and cover by <laughs> Glenn Fabry, who painted all, all of the covers of Preacher. Um, it's a big beastie, uh, 736 pages. Um, it's big format, and it's under the DC Black label. Um, label. And we have a masterpiece of violence, depravity, love and redemption by writer Garth Ennis and artist Steve Dillon. Uh, Preacher follows Reverend Jesse Custer on his epic quest to track down an absent God and force him to answer for the sufferings of his creation. The first of three deluxe slipcase volumes collects issues number 1 to 26 of the series and features an introduction by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, executive producers of the Preacher TV adaption. Plus Ennis's complete script for issue 1, a special gallery of pin-up promotional art mm-hmm. and highlights from Pe- Preacher's infamous Gone to Texas letter column. Um, so if you haven't read Preacher before... That would be a good way to pick it up, but I believe uh, there are other there are other options available. 
Yeah, absolutely. No pun intended. Um, yeah, I mean, there's the Absolute Edition, I always stand behind it. It is a, a great format. It's oversized. It really allows the art to shine. It's always really high-quality paper stock. It's a beautiful slipcase. But with Preacher, there would be three um, Absolutes in total. Now, these are $150 books, so they come in roughly about £135. We would then usually sell them about 120 We always like to go below our RP in these big items. But you would need to buy three of those, whereas there is two omnibuses available, which I believe are both still in print. And the two omnibuses were the 25th anniversary editions, I think. And uh, they have the whole thing. And those are $150, but you only need two of those to get the whole story, whereas it would be three of these. There is, of course, trade paperbacks of it as well. There's six trade paperbacks, which cover the whole saga as well. I mean, however you choose to do it, you won't regret it because it's it's genuinely one of the best comic stories I've personally ever read. Mm-hmm. So no matter what format you go for, you're going to get your money's worth. But we just like to throw out that there are alternative methods rather than just going down the absolute route. So, but yeah, that'll be back in print, and then I would imagine volume two and volume three will follow in future uh, DC Connect previews books as well. So yeah, that is the DC book, as I say, nice and fast and sharp. Uh, but we'll move on from there and on to the much chunkier, loads of number ones, loads of jumping on points, Marvel book. Why don't you kick things off for us? Yeah, okay. Kicking off with um, with something a little out of left field, a little unexpected, but it is the reinvigoration of a license that I believe Marvel had uh, many, many years ago. Uh, they've recently lost Conan, but it uh, looks like they're reinvigorating uh this baby, uh, we have Planet of the Apes number one by uh, David F. Walker, who is an uh, award-winning comic writer, author, filmmaker, journalist, and educator, known for uh, his work on Shaft from Dynamite, uh, also for Marvel, Luke Cage, Occupy Avengers, Power Man and the Iron Fist, uh, Nighthawk, he did Fury as well, if I recall, did Cyborg for DC. Um, so man has been about. Art is by uh, Dave Walker. Uh, who worked uh, on Ghost Rider with Benjamin Percy, as well as some of the Spider-Man Exodus stuff and Star Wars, uh, The High Republic, and the Iron Fist Heart of the Dragon series with Larry Hama. Um, but this looks pretty cool. Uh, we've got a, a Joshua Kassara cover, Salvador La Ruga, a variant, uh, amongst others. But uh, David F. Walker and uh, Dave Wachter uh, bring Planet of the Apes back to Marvel Comics in spectacular style. A new era of apes kicks off with part one of Devolution. The ALZ-113 virus has rampaged across planet Earth and humanity is crumbling. While well-meaning researchers hunt for a cure, a fanatical group of humans has their own solution. Kill all apes. Peacekeeper Juliana Tobin is one of the few willing to stand against them. But the crisis is spreading, and soon apes will witness the true depths of human cruelty. Uh, Eisner Award-winning writer David F. Walker joins forces with artist David Wachter on one of the most beloved sci-fi franchises in history. Uh, 40 pages, and it's coming in at that 4 price point. Uh, Luke, any love for this one? I'm not a big Planet of the Apes guy. Um, I never have been. I, I quite like the Matt Reeves movies but it's not my fandom I have to be honest I'll maybe give number one a go and see how it goes see if it grabs me but just was never my fandom one way or another so yeah yeah fair fair um I have uh, I have good memories good childhood memories of uh of uh coming down on a Sunday morning and watching the uh 
the the TV series, mm-hmm. uh, the old TV series, which uh, didn't have as many episodes as I thought it had, which is always the case with these things you watch when you're a kid. <laughs> um, but uh, had a real cool. Uh, it was uh, like a, almost a a sequel to the original Planet of the Apes movies, and uh, and uh, it was about two astronauts, obviously, that landed on on the, on Planet of the Apes. It was very very cool, very cool show. Uh, so yeah, I'll give this a go. In fact, I mean, I I enjoyed the the older stuff more than. The, newer and the, uh, the reboots, but but quite enjoyed them too. I have to say, uh, sort of thing that if it was on TV, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't turn it over. Yeah, well, we'll move from one thing that uh, I'm not overly fussed on to something I think looks fantastic. Yeah, and that is uh, obviously we mentioned in our intro that uh, Marvel are full on with the Guardians of the Galaxy stuff mm-hmm. as uh, we move towards the release of Guardians Volume Three at the uh, at the cinema. But we have the relaunch of Guardians of the Galaxy with a new number one, a new volume, under the auspices of some of my favourite writers at Marvel at the minute, Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing, the duo that are on um, Captain America Sentinel of Liberty, amongst other things. Uh, Art is by uh, Kev Walker, who is currently on Predator. We've got a Margot Cicero cover, and this looks very much like a space western in the... the, uh, the mold of uh, Firefly, uh, Prospect, and uh, and others. Um, who are the Guardians of the Galaxy? One year ago, the Guardians of the Galaxy were destroyed. Their optimistic future shattered by the betrayal of one of their own. Now they ride the space lanes of a lawless corner of the galaxy, trying to outrun their tragedy. Can they discover their heroism and humanity on the bleakest frontier? Can they forgive the failures of their past, or will they fade into the dark, eternally unforgiven? Um, this looks well. It's it's billed as a guardian story, like none other, uh, and the, the 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 covers look fantastic. Um, you're really interested in this, yeah? Yeah, preview art looks great on it. You know that creative team is fantastic. I'm liking Kev Walker's stuff on Predator at the moment, but also, you know, Kelly and Lansing. Just I remember you spotlighting them before as a, a creative team to watch out for and you know they're they're starting to do a little bit of uh a little bit of both because they're playing both sides a little bit they're playing the game you know mm-hmm, they're doing mm-hmm. a, a batman one bad day coming up soon which is clayface yes. uh their captain america stuff's been great so they're they're slowly but surely starting to uh to launch some cool looking stuff and i just love that cover you know it's star lord and a cowboy hat um, it evokes images of Star Wars with two and three moons, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it's just it's a really cool cover, and I I would like to get into a Guardians run. I tried to get into Donny Cates one that didn't really grab me, and then by that point Al Ewing took over, and again I didn't jump on that. But I think this mm-hmm. this looks great. So yeah, brand new number one, bring it on, absolutely. Um, so yeah, cool. And uh, once again, I say. You need to you need to watch those episodes of Firefly. You love them. You love them. <laughs> One um, day I will get the Firefly. One day. It's on the so eternally there, long list. I can tell you. <laughs> there is there is a raft of stuff around this relaunch of Guardians of the Galaxy, <clears throat> Rocket Raccoon, Marvel Tales number one, which of course is the the reprints of of, of classic uh, classic issues, uh, spotlighting Rocket Raccoon. As I said, Fiery Furball, known as Rocket Raccoon, shows what uh, how he shows he has what it takes to one day be a Guardian of the Galaxy as we celebrate the legacy of the House of Ideas. So that's the 1985 Rocket Raccoon series reprinted. Uh, we have the Adam Warlock, uh, Strange Tales 178 facsimile edition. We have a new Warlock Rebirth uh, series. Uh, we have Guardians of the Galaxy, Bane of Blastar. Um, and uh, I think somewhere along here there's a, 
there's a Groot series, uh, a flashback series, uh, looking at Groot's origin as well. So plenty going on in the Guardians of the Galaxy corner of the Marvel book. Yeah, as you say, they're going in big. Obviously, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is out later this year. It does amuse me, and we're going to talk about it more on our next review show, but it does amuse me that James Gunn is about to spearhead this brand new initiative for DC. But if you go to his Twitter profile, his pinned tweet is the Guardians of the Galaxy trailer. That's just a man that loves all comics. So uh, I talk about playing both sides. That man's an expert at it. Uh, but one title uh-huh. that definitely caught my eye this month, and it's nice to see that we can talk about this now, because in our privileged position, uh, I found out about this months ago, uh, when uh-huh. we last had uh, <laughs> Declan Shelby up for a signing, so we've obviously had him a couple of times in the store, we helped him launch Old Dog, and he told me about one of his next big projects, and this is it, so Alien number one. So, <clears throat> with Alien and Predator, what they seem to be doing is doing story arcs and then going back to a brand new number one. So I would imagine this will be a mini-series. I, I don't think it'll be an ongoing based on what's come before. But he's on Alien number one, but he's not on it as the artist. He's actually on it as writer. And the artist on this is Andrea Bricardo. So superstars Declan Shelvin, Andrea Bricardo take Alien to bone-chilling new depths. Scientist uh, Batya Zen will do just about anything to get her family off an icy moon where they've been conducting research on water conservation. But there's more than glacial springs to find in this forgotten corner of the galaxy. When they discover an extraordinary organism buried in the ice, it won't take long for tensions to heat up. What is hidden in the snow comes forth in the thaw, and no one will be welcoming this spring. A new year of alien starts here, 40 page number one, and that just sounds like alien meets the thing. Count me in. <laughs> and that's all yeah. i have to say about that yeah i mean i'm enjoying the, the current alien stuff but uh, i'm exceedingly looking forward to uh to declan's take on it now i have to say uh very very cool stuff um sins of sinister uh continues and comes to an end uh, in the x-men corner now you know how that's been working we had three number ones uh we had the same three number twos and same and now we have three number threes uh, all the number ones, which were uh, 10 years uh, beyond, uh, were drawn by the same artist. All number twos were drawn by the same artist. And uh, now all number threes are being drawn by the same artist. And that artist is Alessandro Vitti. Uh, he will be uh, drawing uh, Storm and the Brotherhood number three by Al Ewing. Uh, and Nightcrawlers uh, number three. And, uh, oh my God, I've forgotten the name of that. Immoral X-Men. Uh, so Nightcrawler's number three <laughs> by uh, Cy Spurrier and Immoral X-Men by Kieran Gillen, uh, which is all a thousand years ahead. Uh, we also have Sense of Sinister Dominion by Kieran Gillen and um, Seven Trillion Deadly Sins, A Thousand Years of Hell and Damnation, comes to an end with the loudest scream in history. And for the truly guilty, there is no escape. Can the future change the present or will we just make all the same mistakes again? Either way, the present will have to live with the future sins it's the one shot finishing off sins of sinister uh, i've only read the the alpha issue the start and uh, really enjoyed it and uh, uh, i think the first of the uh, of the the issues is is storm and the uh, the brotherhood uh, next brotherhood of mutants next week mm-hmm. <laughs> actually alan is arguing uh, this in his newsletter and had announced that it was out this week and he had to put out a retraction this morning going, sorry, got excited, it's next week. My <laughs> copy's arrived, otherwise known as comps, but that it will be in your comic store next week. But if anybody needs a copy this week, uh, just send me a message. Send me a stamped address envelope and uh, I'll take care of the rest. 
Oh, stop the dress envelope. Sean our ages here. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. That's the X-Men side of things. Sins of Sinister, obviously, coming to an end there. Uh, but a jumping on point for a title, it's... I still think it's our second biggest pull for Marvel. Our biggest pull is Amazing Spider-Man. The presence of JRJR and Zeb Wells started off a new run, saw to that. But uh, Venom is still our second biggest pull uh, for Marvel. And there's a new jumping on point if you're wanting to get into the series. <clears throat> so we've got Venom number 18. So Venom has been split between Al Ewing writing and Ram V writing. They tend to write story arcs at a time together, but it's been Brian Hitch on art the whole time. But we've got a new artist coming on board. I know it's an artist you're a fan of, uh, given his work through the uh, criminally underrated uh, Christopher Cantwell Iron Man run. Uh, Thank you. Which is uh, an artist called Cafu. So Al Ewing writing Cafu on art. Bran Hitch is still sticking around to do covers though. So Venom 18 is a jumping on point. A brand new story arc called Illumination. As Dylan Brock builds an army, his father and the original Venom, Eddie Brock, finds himself more alone than ever before, working through a change unlike any he's been through ever before. But the real question is, what will Eddie become once he's on the other side? So as I said, we'd just like to point out those jumping on points for you. Obviously, normally you'd walk past this, see number 18, think you need number 17. 1 to 17 to understand it, but with any jumping on point, a, a good writer will fill you in on what you need to know, and then obviously set it up for the, the storyline moving forward. But I seem to be talking about jumping on points and starting points. You're just talking about things coming to an end this month. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm talking about an ending, and this is this is it. Uh, we have the end of Jason Aaron's run on Avengers, with Avengers Assemble Omega number one, writer is Jason Aaron. We have a raft of artists on there, including Javier Garon, Aaron Cooter, Jim Toe, Ivan Fiorelli, and more. Cover is by Aaron Cooter. There's a variant cover by Steve Scross, uh, and there's a Timeless Galactus uh, Virgin variant cover by Alex Ross. Uh, Avengers Assemble, the final chapter, the giant oversized finale of the most epic battle in the history of Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Along with being the final issue of Jason Aaron's five-year Avengers run, this features an all-star cavalcade of artists, a veritable, veritable smorgasbord of Avengers, and a few last emotional gut punches in the mighty Marvel manner. It's a 72-page big boy. It's a one-shot. Um, if you've been on Avengers uh, and the Avengers Assemble uh, arc, uh, which I think is about 10 parts, this will be finishing it. You just can't, you can't miss this. I mean... Uh, Jason, Jason Aaron really got into his got into his stride with with Avengers. Um, I couldn't have I wouldn't have said that it was a five year run, but this guy just is incredible when it comes to runs on teams and characters. And you know after what he did on Thor, uh, so yeah, this has been a this has been a great. I'm really looking forward to to the to the finish of this now. I have to say, yeah, that'll be the culmination of uh, Jason Aaron's run. They've already announced the follow-up team which is very strong as well which is going to be jed mckay taking over avengers mm -hmm. <clears throat> and artist cf villa and that's going to kick off in may so i really wouldn't be surprised if marvel's free comic book day offering was a preview for that uh, new avengers series kicking off then as well so keep an eye out for that um one that i wanted to showcase well actually i'm going to showcase two from the star wars corner uh, the first one being Star Wars Return of the Jedi Ewoks, because without the Ewoks, the Rebellion would have failed. I don't care what anybody says. So, yeah, they're continuing to do this uh, 40 years of Return of the Jedi with a series of one-shots. We chatted about one last month that's coming out, and then there's the Ewoks coming out as well. So, these are all going to be series of one-shots, and there's some good art artists on this. It's Alyssa Wong writing. We've got Lee Garbay, Casper Weingarten, Kyle Hotz, amongst others, doing this 32-page uh, one-shot. 
But the main one I wanted to showcase was Star Wars is embracing a format that Marvel's been using for a couple of different characters in the last couple of years. It's it's a format called Black, White and Red. So what that format is, is it's anthology based. You'll maybe have three, four stories per issue, a different creative team on each story. And the idea being that the the art is black and white, but you'll have splashes of red throughout, whether it's splashes of blood or splashes of creatively used color. So we've seen it for Deadpool, Black, White and Blood. We've seen it for Wolverine, Black, White and Blood. We've seen it for Carnage. Uh, we saw it for Elektra. <clears throat> but Star Wars is embracing it now, and it's going to be Star Wars Darth Vader, Black, White and Red. Now, these tend to be maybe four issues long, five at the most. So it's a, it's a condensed series. It's not an ongoing. But the creative teams on the first issue are pretty impressive. You've got Jason Aaron writing, Peach Momoko writing, Torin Grombeck writing. And then in terms of art, it just is Peach Momoko and then and more. So Star Wars Darth Vader Black, White and Red won the Dark Lord of the Sith like you've never seen him before. Following the successful Black, White and Red series produced by Marvel Comics, Darth Vader now takes the spotlight for Tales of Terror by some of the industry's most talented creators. Peach Momoko will spin a story only she can bring to life, plus the return of Jason Aaron to the world of Star Wars with part one of his Vader tale spanning all four issues. So that's a unique touch to this one. It's going to have a one ongoing story through the four issues, and that also tells us how many issues there are. Uh, but it's going to be a continuing story, and then the other ones around it will be sort of one-shot stories. So a Darth Vader series even I'm interested in. Yeah, absolutely, and it looks like Jason Aaron's not going too far. I don't think he'll be leaving uh, Marvel anytime <laughs> soon, but if he could please go back to Southern Bastards at some point. This is my monthly plea for more Southern Bastards from him. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I heard him on Creator Talks on uh, an interview podcast. He, he mentioned Southern Bastards and he mentioned the the idea of getting back to it. Uh, so that's not a, it's not a it's not a vain hope. I don't think uh, <laughs> one of these days, Alan. One of these days. One of these um, days. So April has us kicking off the much-anticipated uh, Captain America crossover uh, called Cold War, which we've been leading up to in uh, in the various Captain America books. Uh, in April, we have got Captain America Sentinel of Liberty number 11 by the aforementioned Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing with art by Carmen Carnero. It's a prelude to Cold War. Captain America and the new invaders may be free of MODOK's mind control but they are not guaranteed their lives. And with the battle nearly won, the outer circle have arrived on the ground to collect their prize. It's up to Steve Rogers to wrestle victory from the pyre and finally end the outer circle's invasion of Manhattan. But choices are made at this critical point that will alter Steve's understanding of friendship and the stakes of his fight against the outer circle for good. So that's going to be, uh, obviously, this is the story that's been building in Sentinel of Liberty uh, with the outer circle and their invasion of Manhattan as chronicled on... Uh, on Captain America's shield, um, but uh, that'll be the prelude to Cold War. Uh, then we will have also by Colin Kelly, Jackson Lansing, and Tucci Onyebuchi, the writer of uh, Symbol of Hope. Truth. Sim Truth, that's the one. <laughs> we have uh, Captain America Cold War uh, Alpha, number one, and the artist on this is the fantastic Carlos Magno. It's a one-shot. The revolution starts here, Cold War Part 1. Buggy Barnes is the Outer Circle's new revolution and he has enacted his deadliest move yet, an alliance with Sam Wilson's nemesis, the White Wolf. When Steve Rogers' adopted son, Ian, a.k.a. Nomad, is abducted by someone Steve thought was a friend, he suspects Bucky's hand at work and calls upon the people who know Ian best, Sam Wilson, Sharon Carter and Misty Knight, to help him get to the bottom of the attack. Has Bucky finally gone too far? 
Why has Nomad been taken? And what does it have to do with a portal to Dimension Z opening over the secret battleground in Alaska? The symbol of truth and the sentinel of liberty reunite with a pulse-pounding crossover event that will make them question everything they believe in and each other. That's 40 pages. And then part two is in Captain America Symbol of, of Truth, number 12 by Tochi Oyabuchi and R.B. Silva. Uh, White Wolf has used the power granted him by Bucky Barnes to take control of Dimension Z and unleash its creatures onto the Captains America, Sam Wilson and Steve Rogers. They're prepared to fight their way through the onslaught, but the outer circle has more stakes in this fight than our heroes realize. Can Sam Wilson and Steve Rogers agree on their priorities before they fall to this new threat? And what exactly does Bucky Barnes intend to do to Ian Rogers? Well, sounds exciting. This sounds fantastic to me. I mean, I've been loving Sentinel of Liberty. I've been enjoying Symbol of Truth. I wouldn't say it's been as good as Sentinel of Liberty, uh, but what those guys are doing is pretty special. It just evokes the Brubaker run to me, which is the biggest compliment I can give it. And, you know, when it comes to Marvel events, I'm not a huge fan of Avengers slash X-Men based events. I like street level stuff. And I know this will be worldwide, but it feels more grounded, more spy orientated. Um, you know, I love things like Devil's Reign, for example, with the Daredevil street level stuff. So this this sounds fantastic to me. I mean, it's it is important to know that you know, with regards to pull lists, we have I think eighty percent of people who are on Sentinel of Liberty because it's the higher pull title and Symbol of Truth. About eighty percent of people who are on it are on Symbol of Truth anyway, <clears throat> so they'll obviously get this. But just be wary that if you are only on one title, this is very much a Part one will be in this title. Part two will be in this title. Part three will be in this title, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So uh, it's definitely worth making sure that you're getting both titles because the fact that all the fact that both series writers have come together to do the alpha issue to me says this is going to be you know not to be missed. It's going to be a case if you'll need all of them. So yeah. and why wouldn't you want them? Because yeah, the Captain America stuff. I think it's the most exciting it's been in years. I mean. I wasn't a huge fan of uh, was it Tana Hissy Coates did the last yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. I wasn't a huge fan of it. Um, I really loved the Mark Wade Chris Samney stuff, but it was so short. Um, you know, Cap is, aside from reading Ultimate Spider-Man in omnibus form, I'm going back through Captain America runs is my other thing. And yeah, this I think this is the best Cap's been in years, so I'm really looking forward to that event. It is certainly the most brewbaker it's been in years. Like I said, it's the best it's been in years. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, just keep an eye out for that, guys. That's Captain America. That's Cold War is going to be the name of the event, and it's going to run through both titles. So um, just a quick mention, just, you know, there's a lot of number twos this month. So, again, just to let you know, the number ones have not come out yet, so there's still time to get them on your pull list. So you've got the likes of Hellcat number two, Christopher Cantwell writing that. Going to be a five-issue mini series. You've got Cosmic Ghost Rider number two heading this month, which is Stephanie Phillips, Juan Cabal on art. You've got Doctor Strange number two hitting, um, so it's hitting its second issue. Jed McKay writing, Pascal Ferry on art. You've got Spider Gwen, Shadow Clones from Emily Kim and Kay Zama. That's going to be a five issue mini series. You've got Venom Lethal Protector number two. Sorry, Venom Lethal Protector two, number two. All <laughs> uh, five. That's David Michelini writing that. Farad Karimi on art. So, as I say, lots of number twos hitting this month, but you do have that time to uh to jump on to the the single issue still because issue one has not come out at this point um there are a couple of facsimiles hitting this month as well um for those who are x-men fans we have the original x-men number one from 1963 hitting facsimile facsimiles of course being perfect reprints of these issues including the adverts from the time the 
Um, the previews at the time, whatever was encased in those issues back then, will be reprinted in these facsimiles. Uh, so that was written by Stanley on art by Jack Kirby. And then they're also doing the X-Men 1991 relaunch, which is still, to my mind, the best-selling comic book of all time. Sold in excess, I believe, of 8 million copies, which is a frankly absurd amount of uh comics this was written by chris claremont and jim lee and art by jim lee and it had a gatefold cover which was basically a fold-out cover that encased all of the x-men characters that were going to be the focus of that series so same again that that is going to uh that is going to be hitting the facsimile i mean the facsimiles do really well for us people love reading the old issues this is a way of getting those old issues without paying silly silly money for them so uh yeah let us know if you'd like to jump on either x-men number ones but do specify to us which x-men number one it is so you don't turn up expecting stanley and jack kirby and walking out with chris claremont and jim lee <laughs> i will be needing that i've got a couple of those myself <laughs> yeah i mean that's the thing they reprint them every few years so you may have them in your collection already but i do like that marvel are going back to them every few years and then if you yeah. missed out there is a new a new print well, so. i've got them from first time around you have X-Men number one from Stan Lee and Jack Kirby? Oh, no, no, no. From Jim Lee. <clears throat> Jeez, I wondered there. <laughs> You'd be that doing well be nice. for yourself if you had that. Yeah. <clears throat> it wouldn't be bad. It wouldn't be bad. Um, worth, uh, worth mentioning uh, Amazing Spider-Man 23 and 24 that will be out uh, in April by Zeb Wells, but we can celebrate because John Romita Jr. is back on art and covers. And uh, this is addressing the question that the series opened with what did Peter do and uh, the centerpiece of that question is going to be a flat out fight it's going to enjoy, involve Peter Parker and Norman Osborn and it may alter the opinion of what a hero is and who the villain is uh, may blur that particular line and I begin to wonder Alan does what Peter did have anything to do with what has happened with the Fantastic Four I was wondering that when I saw the cover for 23 which obviously shows Peter in opposition to the Fantastic Four, which would be a, a wonderful throwback the whole way to Amazing Spider-Man number one, where they were in opposition to each other as well. But yeah, I hadn't put two and two together before, but just when I saw that cover, I did wonder if... Because mm -hmm. uh, they basically say, we open the series with a question, the centerpiece of the answer is a flat-out fight. So I'll be curious to see if these uh, if these cross over. Yeah, yeah. It would be, it would be neat if they did. We need if they did. It would. It would. I mean, you should be reading both titles anyway because they're both really, really good. Uh, but yeah, just one last thing I wanted to point out from the Marvel book this month. Uh, I usually point point out like an omnibus or a collected edition, that kind of thing. Well, they're doing a... <clears throat> now, this is an advanced solicit, so it's not actually out until September. So it's a really advanced solicit. But it's worth waiting for. This is Daredevil Guardian Devil. This is being released in the gallery edition format, which is the oversized format. Uh, this was a eight and a half issue series written by none other than Kevin Smith uh, and Joe Casada on art. And this is one of my personal favorite Daredevil stories of all time. So the devil of Hell's Kitchen, a scared teenager on the run and an infinite child, some says humanity savior, a former lover hobbled by a terrible secret, a law partner accused of a horrible crime, a city overcome by an inscrutable menace. They need a guardian, someone to protect them, someone with faith in them. They need the man without fear. 
Daredevil. Guardian Devil, the Marvel Knights imprint's very first offering, is a modern classic, one that saw Kevin Smith confidently transition from writing screenplays to comics that hit the top of the sales charts and critics lists. It also featured artist Joe Quesada at his peak, as the status who would usher Marvel comics into the 21st century. And now Quesada's astonishing artwork looks better than ever on the oversized pages of a gallery edition. So this collects Daredevil numbers 1 to 8 from 1998 and the half issue as well. So yeah, I'm a big, big fan of that. It does carry a $50 price point, so it's a bit pricier uh, for 232 pages. But that is going to be one gorgeous edition for a, a genuine Stone Cold classic Marvel story. So uh, I'll be grabbing that as a dyed-in-the-wool Daredevil fan. Mm-hmm. <coughs> so... That covers DC, that covers Marvel, so that leaves us with the indie book. And as ever, it does seem to be front-loaded with a lot of great-looking image stuff. Uh, None more so than the first book that you have picked out. Uh, Yes, indeed. Uh, That's a previews gem of the month under the crime and mystery genre. It's a miniseries premiere with the story by Kyle Higgins and uh, Joe Clark, who we know from Radiant Black, art by Danilo Beruth. And it's called Deep Cuts, uh, and it's the first of a six-issue miniseries. New Orleans, 1917. In the city's bustling red light district, a young clarinet player lands a job with his hero. But he does soon discover there's more to the music business than playing the right notes. Join writers Kyle Higgins and Joe Clark and an all-star cast of artists for six double-length issues that weave stories of struggle, joy, and hope through the history of jazz. It is described as a whip-smart new miniseries that's perfect for music fans searching for a story with depth and redemption. I'll be curious to know who, uh, the, as you, yeah. who the other creators are in that. Yeah, I guess we'll we'll see. Uh, uh, it looks like uh, Otsumani Elahu, who is on... Um, uh, what's the furthest place from here? Mm-hmm. Uh, is is included somewhere in there? Um, I'm not. I'm not sure. I guess we'll find out as as things go on. Yeah, all star cast of artists for six double length issues. So I will be curious to see who else is coming on. I mean, the cover instantly just evoked ideas for me of uh, blue and green, which of course was so heavily infused in jazz and horror and stuff like that so i'll be curious to know if there's a a little bit of a tone to that as well but yeah the preview pages for issue one look great for this speaking of great looking preview pages uh there is a new title this month hitting called terror war uh brand new number one written by saladin ahmed who's probably most well known for uh their mads morales work and the art is by dave acosta which is the big pull for me in this this is one gorgeous looking book based on the previous pages now it doesn't state if it's a mini series or an ongoing uh, obviously with deep cuts it's specified one of six but this just says number one it says it's bitter root meets noctera in this high octane horror sci-fi series so eisner winning writer saladin ahmed and superstar horror artist dave acosta make their image debut with this sci-fi horror series about working people fighting mind bending monsters Blue City was the last livable place on Earth. Now it's crawling with terrors, creatures that transform into the victim's worst fears. Humanity's last hope, Mohammed Cho and his overworked, underpaid crew of freelance terror fighters. As I say, the preview art for this looks pretty exceptional. There's one page um, that's clearly a splash page that's established in the neighborhood in which our protagonist lives. And it just looks ripped straight from the cyberpunk world of uh, Blade Runner. So the art really has my attention on this, but I think the, the story sounds pretty pretty cool as well um speaking also of brand new number ones i see our good friend james tinian is launching another one 
Yes, uh, another GM of the month, uh, described as dystopian horror science fiction, uh, is World Tree Number One um, by James Tinney, and as you say, art by Fernando Blanco and Jordi Belair. In 1999, Gabriel and friends discovered the Undernet, a secret architecture of the internet. They charted their exploration on a message board called World Tree. When they lost control, then they lost control. Uh, someone broke into Worldtree, someone who welcomed the violent hold of the undernet had on them. At great personal cost, Gabriel and the others thought they sealed the undernet away for good, but they were wrong. And now they will know the meaning of fear. That's PH34R. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next major mm. horror writing from multiple Eisner Award winning writer James Tinian, uh, known from the Department of Truth and Nice House in the Lake, and Fernando Blanco uh, of Detective Comics, along with Eisner Award winning colorist Jordi Belair, and Eisner-nominated letter Adia Bidikar begins here. The Department of Truth meets Mr. Robot in this high-stakes cyberpunk thriller. Interesting. The word Eisner was uh, used a lot there, wasn't it? It was indeed, so. yes. <laughs> so yeah, that's quite the quite the creative team there. And obviously Tinian has finished off, nice house in the lake. I do sort of wonder if maybe Department of Truth or something that's killing the children may be starting to wind down. Uh, we shall see, but yeah, this looks really, really cool. And same again, I've already got pre-orders for this because I think Tinian announced it on his Substack before he, you know, obviously had it solicited through uh, through the previews book. So uh, a couple of other image things to point out, you know, just based again on my own personal taste and some of the titles I've enjoyed the most in the last year or two, or even going further back. There's a trade paperback coming for a title called Chroma. Uh, and it gets the full artist title by by being called Chroma by Lorenzo Di Felici. Lorenzo Di Felici was the uh, co-creator and artist on Robert Kirkman's Oblivion song, which I seem to remember as well was always solicited as Oblivion song by Kirkman and Di Felici. Mm-hmm. So this is a book that obviously I get a look at our pull list numbers, and there are three people reading this, including myself. And that is a damn shame because this book is absolutely wonderful. It is an oversized book, so it did require a little bit of a more of a leap of faith. It was a, it's a square bound, uh, sixty four page issue each time. It's an eight dollar book, but there's four issues that will be the whole story. So, <clears throat> the critically acclaimed prestige series from Lorenzo Di Felice arrives in a new graphic novel collection for fans of Ultra Mega and the Many Deaths of Lila Star. I mean, come on. Imprisoned in a tower within the walls of Peel City, Chroma leaves her days out in darkness, believing she is the most evil thing on earth. However, were her people see a monster, the mysterious orphan Zet sees a human. But if either of them is to survive the city's strange rituals and customs, they will have to overcome the cruel fate of Chroma, even if it means risking certain death beyond the walls in the jaws of giant lizards and enormous birds of prey. This is honestly one of this has a, a shot of book or early contender for book of the year. Uh, that where where Chroma is encased is in this city where color is outlawed. It's a black and white city because uh, color attracts monsters, or so they preach. Ah, so okay. they live out these really pale, boring, beige lives. Uh, but outside the city walls is you know tons of monsters and color and all this kind of stuff. But it's a really great book, and they've done some great character work as well. You've also got that bond between the main character, Zeet, and uh, and Chroma as well. So, highly, highly recommend that when it hits trade. It will be a $20 trade, but it's nearly 200 pages, as I said. It is a big, thick bad boy. And then, I'm going to throw out a couple of... Uh, a couple of recommendations from my boy, Rick Remender, my writer of last year, and neither of them are even <laughs> deadly class. 
Uh, Black Science is getting a compendium. Now, it's a trade paperback compendium. So if you know how Image do these, you look at the Walking Dead compendiums, you look at the Invincible compendiums that they do in trade paperback form. So they release these titles for $60, uh, which, given that this is 1,032 pages, uh, is pretty impressive. So Black Science came out around the same time as Deadly Class. It was during that image boom of Deadly Class and Saga and Sex Criminals and Wicked and Divine. and It was just a great time for image comics and creator-owned stuff. And Black Science was one of the absolute best titles to come out of it. The artist by Mario Scalera, who again is someone whose work I, I recommend on a consistent basis. So Black Science, scientist Grant McKay has done the impossible. He has punched through the barriers of reality in a desperate bid to unravel the mysteries hidden within the prime universe at the centre of the Eververse. But what lies beyond the veil is not epiphany, but chaos. Now Grant and his family are lost, living ghosts shipwrecked on an infinite ocean of alien worlds barreling through the long-forgotten ancient and unimaginable dark realms. The only way is forward through the delirium of a million universes with no way home. The Black Sands Compendium Edition collects the entire run of this seminal series that launched the multiverse craze by the critically acclaimed team of Rick Remender and Matteo Scalera. So, as I say, $60 book, but that's Black Sands issues 1 to 43, the entire run. Pound 15 issue. Ooh. Highly, highly recommend. Would look lovely on yourself, Keith, next to your Invincible uh, Compendiums. Yeah, that sounds... I mean, it's, it's one that I've always thought I should get a, I should get a look at, uh, but never quite dead. dead dove in yeah. as it were well that's definitely a good way to do it as i say so that's the entire compendium for black science and then the last one i'll mention from image comics also from rick remender but this was a series that came out last year uh called a righteous thirst for vengeance so this is written by rick remender as i say the artist on this is andre lima arruyo and this was an 11 issue mini series or i suppose maxi series and it's getting the deluxe edition hardcover treatment so um Rick Remender basically has like an imprint within Image called Giant Generator that he releases his titles through and they always put such care and attention into their hardcover deluxe editions. You know, you only have to look at the Deadly Class editions, the uh, the Black Science editions, Tokyo Ghost, all these great books. And as I say, this was a great book last year. So when an unassuming man stops vicious dark web contract assassins from killing their target, he turns himself into one. A quiet, atmospheric slice of life story with sudden bouts of unique and brutal violence. New York Times bestselling writer Rick Remender and megastar artist Andre Lima Arrio present the story of an unlikely surrogate to a boy hunted by powerful men who are used to getting away with everything. The entirety of the critically acclaimed series, Righteous Thirst for Vengeance, is collected here in one giant prestige edition, loaded with varying covers, sketches, model sheet designs, raw inks and script pages, and presented in the ultimate oversized format to enjoy this groundbreaking series. So that's a $40 um, graphic, but it sounds like you're getting the game plenty of bang for your buck there with you know, additional material as well as just a really great story told there as well. Sounds great. Yeah, really, really good book. And the... Um, the main character is clearly Benedict Wong. <laughs> clearly. You'll, you'll understand when you read it. Uh, oh, yeah, okay. That's Image Comics. Again, there's tons of great stuff to, to look at for Image if you're you know, coming in this store. Loads of great continuing series, uh, which will uh, be continuing throughout the month of April. But we'll move from uh, Image Comics and move over to Boom Studios. I believe you have a couple of picks here. Yes, indeed. From my, uh, my publisher of 2022. Uh so one that I know will will interest uh, a lot of our listeners because they will have been into the TV show is uh, The Expanse Dragon Tooth number one of 12. That's right. 
The Expanse officially lives on at Boom Studios. It's a gem of the month. It's written by Andy Diggle and illustrated by Rubine. Picking up after the final season of the acclaimed and beloved sci-fi series and filling in the missing years between Expanse Babylon's Ashes and the Expanse Persepolis Rising, the secret history of your favourite characters are revealed for the first time. Uh, everything comes together in this epic 12-issue story, tying together the threads of the show and answering lingering questions that will bring readers and viewers alike far beyond the stellar horizon. Across this monumental maxi-series, superstar comics writer Andy Diggle and artist Rubine broadens their expanse universe in ways that will change how fans view the entire series forever. Yeah, I know Martin's so, a fan of the expanse. He jumped yeah. on the previous, uh, previous series of this. Yeah, uh, I was, that's that's one of the one of the individuals I was thinking about. <laughs> um, next up from Boom, we have the seasons have teeth number one of four, another gem of the month by Dan Waters, who uh, recently came off the fantastic Sword of Azrael miniseries for DC, and uh, was also the writer in Homesick Pilots, um, illustrated by uh, Sebastian Cabral, and uh, a monster for every season. Uh, in this brand new series for fans of the Sandman universe, Nightmare Country, and the many deaths of Leela Starr. In a drab, colourless world, the seasons bring change and also destruction. Andrew, a retired conflict photographer, lives life uh, lives a life steeped in regret after the unthinkable tragedy. Uh, after an unthinkable tragedy, but everything shifts when the seasons arrive. Each one is personified, godlike creature. As he risks everything to track down spring, summer, autumn, and winter, will capturing the perfect picture of each uh, be enough to find redemption and ultimately bring colour back to his world? Uh, a tale that is both down-to-earth and supernaturally apocalyptic in its pertinence. Sounds pretty awesome. Uh, and lastly, the Coda Deluxe Edition hardcover. Certified cool by previews. Written by Cy Spurrier and uh, illustrated by Matthias Bergara. After an apocalypse which wiped out nearly all magic from a once wondrous fantasy world, an antisocial farmer bard, farmer bard, former bard, I cannot <laughs> read right now, uh, named Hearn, uh, seeks a way to save the soul of his wife with nothing but a foul-tempered mutant pentacorn and his wits to protect him. But in the process, he is unwillingly drawn into a brutal power struggle, which will decide forever who rules the weird wasteland. Uh, written by Glad Media uh, award-winning author Sy. Spurrier, the dreaming, damn them all, and lavishly illustrated by Eisner Award nominated. There's the Eisner again, Eisner Award nominated artist Matthias Bergara, who joins Sy Spurrier on Step by Bloody Step, and John Constantine uh, Hellblazer. Coda is the Eisner Award nominated relentless kaleidoscope of visual wonders exploring high fantasy and the post apocalypse through the lens of curmudgeonly lunar in search of his lost love. For the first time, fans are treated to the entire series collected in a single oversized deluxe edition hardcover featuring never-before-seen artwork and a brand-new comic epilogue. So it collects the 12 issues of Coda. Yeah, I mean, Boomer very good at those hardcovers as well. I was obviously praising Rick Remender and Gen Generator, but Boomer have been releasing the likes of Something is Killing the Children, Once in Future into hardcover format and doing a really good job with them. So yeah, 320 pages there for a $50 price point. Slight advance solicit, that's due June 28th. Uh, so we move away from Boom and on to Dynamite. And I had questioned in the beginning about uh, 70 years of James Bond. I had to do the research while you were chatting. It's 70 yeah. years since Ian Fleming released the first James Bond book, Casino Royale. So it's more based on the book's anniversary rather than the movies. 
But uh, I see. Philip Kennedy Johnson is doing some great stuff with James Bond at the moment. He just finished up a series for 007, and it's getting a follow-up series called 007 for King and Country. I wonder if that was originally called for Queen and Country, and then it had to be an updated title. But I digress. Uh, so yeah, Philip Kennedy Johnson writing Giorgio Spalletta on art, and. Uh, as I say, it's a direct follow-up. The the 007 series he just finished ended on a cliffhanger, very reminiscent of how Casino Royale ended in the movies, and then it picked up straight away with Quantum of Solace, so it was intrinsically linked. So an all-new Neil Biding Bond mission from superstar Philip Kennedy Johnson and Giorgio Spalletta. Accused of murder on British soil, James Bond has been branded a traitor by his own government. As M sends the entire 007, 00 division after 007, Bond must go underground with only one ally. Gwendolyn Gann, 003, another traitor, presumed dead secretly on a clandestine mission with global implications. So I would imagine that'll probably be a six-issue miniseries, similar to the, the previous one. But they're they're going all out, Dynamite, in this uh, 70 years of Bond. They have resolicited a brand new printing for so many James Bond books. Now, I'll probably order all of these, and I would say I'm a sucker for a bit of Bond. But you've got... James Bond, The Complete Warren Ellis Omnibus. You've got James Bond, Case Files, Volume 1. James Bond, Reflections of Death, hardcover. Hammerhead, hardcover. Kill Chain, hardcover. Black Box, hardcover. Uh, the Body, hardcover. Uh, James Bond, Origin, Volume 1 and Volume 2, hardcovers. You've got James Bond, 007, hardcovers. Uh, Felix Leiter, hardcover. Big Things, hardcover. Casino Royale and Live and Let Die hardcover. Now, to give you an idea of some of the creators who have worked on some of those books, because I just threw a lot of titles at you, but mm. some of the creators who have worked on those include Kieran Gillen, Declan Shelby, uh, Greg Pack, Andy Diggle, Benjamin Percy, Gail Simone, uh, Aless Cott, uh, James Robinson, Aaron Campbell, Jeff Parker, uh, yeah, there's there's quite a lot of good creators like dipping their toe into the world of Bond, it would appear. Uh, so yeah, I'll probably order all of those yeah. in through Dynamite. We're, we don't order a lot of Dynamite stuff in, to be honest. Uh, we, we have one or two customers that appeals to, and you know who you are. Uh, but a lot of the Dynamite stuff is, is sort of, it's pulp-based but it's female pulp based and it just it doesn't appeal to our demographic. You know, things like Deja Thoris, Vampirella, um, Barbarella, all that stuff. But uh, I will definitely order in all those Bond books, I would say. So if any of those appeal to you, just let us know. So away from Dynamite and on to IDW, what have you found there? A uh, couple of wee IDW titles, uh, as you mentioned uh, earlier, uh, another uh, another uh, release, or not release, another uh, story about a, a pulp favourite of mine, and that's uh, The Rocketeer in The Rocketeer Special. Uh, it's wall-to-wall adventure and a trio of Rocketeer stories in this terrific all-new special. First, the writers of The Rocketeer film, uh, which I really need to go back and watch. Uh, Danny Belson and Paul DeMeo and illustrator Adam Hughes bring us a tale featuring pioneering aviator Amelia Earhart. Second up, we have uh, Robert Wyndham and Jay Lee, who were the team on Seven Sons recently. They craft a story of the Rocketeer fighting a Japanese Zero in the South, South Pacific. And the third entry is by Kelvin Mao, director of the Dean Stevens documentary, Dean Stevens being the Rocketeer creator. Uh, the, the documentary was called Drawn to Perfection and co-writer of Seven Sons and the artist extraordinaire Craig Surmack uh, and they are writing a story about uh, while on a date with Betty our man Cliff encounters a vaguely familiar 
adventurer archaeologist. Who could that be? <laughs> what kind of trouble will this spell for our hero? You'll have to grab a copy of this special one-off issue to find out. So uh, definitely, uh, definitely looking forward to that. Um, in addition from IDW, we have one from our buddy and uh, writer of Canto, uh, David M. Bohr, who has just come off all, on, all new Firefly. Uh, and that is Dungeons & Dragons Saturday Morning Adventures. Uh, this is based on the Dungeons & Dragons cartoon series uh, from the 80s, of which I was a huge fan and have a box set sitting right over there on, D- on DVD. Long before the world turned upside down and new generations discovered D&D, six kids boarded a magical roller coaster and were transported to the Forgotten Realms. Noble ranger Hank, intrepid acrobat Diana, quiet thief Sheila, impulsive barbarian Bobby and fearful cavalier Eric, together with uncertain magician Presto, only wanted to get back to their world, but escaping the realms has turned out to be much harder than getting there. Danger lurks at every turn, the enigmatic dungeon master is less than helpful, and Venger, the force of evil, will stop at nothing to get his hands on the magical weapons the kids have come to rely on. To top it off, Hank has made a startling discovery. Despite the danger, Sheila, Bobby, Diana and the others aren't so sure they want to go home after all. With all their friends beguiled by the attractions of Waterdeep, Eric and Diana are left to contemplate the kids' future. Where they really belong, where they needed most, but more than just the wonders of Waterdeep, of Enchanted Presto, Bobby, Hank and Sheila, will everyone come to their senses on time? Really looking forward to that. I don't know, were you a fan of the old uh, the old Dungeons and Dragons cartoon show? Oh, who wasn't? Let's be honest. They were uh, they were great escapism as a kid, so they were filled with tons of wonder and joy. It's interesting you mentioned that we were uh, we were in Forbidden Planet the other day, and you saw I think a couple of figures from Dungeons and Dragons. Yes, uh, they had Hank, Diana, and Bobby. Uh, they were about twenty five point each, and I was very very close to uh, to picking them up. I I may make a return trip because they were lovely figures. Yeah, you were uh, you lit up like some eight year old that had just seen his favorite figure. It was it was very sweet, <laughs> it was very sweet. Uh, but uh, yeah, we'll move from Dungeons and Dragons Saturday Morning Adventures to my last pick from the previews book, and it comes from Ablaze Comics. And this is another situation where it's uh, a case of following the creator. And that creator in this case is writer Michael Marecki, who is the writer on an absolutely fantastic Vault comic series called Barbaric that I'm always very, very positive about. Very, um, I hype up as much as I can every time where it pops on the Reviews podcast. But he's staying very much within the realm of Barbarians and doing a new title for Ablaze Comics, as I say, called The Mighty Barbarians. He's joined in this by artist Giuseppe Cafaro. Uh, this is going to be an all-new ongoing series. So from the writer of Barbaric comes the world-hopping, skull-crushing adventures of the mighty barbarians. They're barbarians. They loot, they plunder, they conquer. That's what they do. And they do it alone until now. When an unstoppable force starts consuming one world after another, sorceress Morgan Le Fay uses her magic to assemble a team of skull-cracking warriors who must somehow work together to save all of existence. There's the young trickster Anasi, uh, Viking shield maiden Burka, the shape-shifting Nanook, and the leader, heir to a fallen kingdom and mightiest of warriors, Kull. Though their alliance is uneasy, they will do whatever it takes to cut the heart right out of their mutual enemy, leaving a path of ruin through everything and everyone who stands in their way. Before the Avengers, before the Justice League, before the X-Men, before it all stood the Mighty Barbarians. Even comes with a rather glorious uh, homage cover to Brave and the Bold 28, which is pretty cool and looks free to order as well. So, yeah, that's definitely one I will be looking forward to. Uh, but why don't you finish us off with a couple more picks from the February previews book? 
Absolutely. An interesting one here. Um, were you ever a fan of the original Twilight Zone TV series? I haven't watched it as much as I would like. I've seen episodes here and there, probably some of the more infamous episodes. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's something I've always been meaning to go back and watch more of. Well, Rod Serling was the was the host of the Twilight Zone, and he had a very in a very cool way about him, you know, in his, his black suit, uh, you know, smoking a cigarette, coming on screen and inviting us to imagine, if you will, a man, you know, and all of these sort of, <laughs> but not just any man. Um, right. So it was it was quite a quite a quite a fixture if you were in if you were into the old uh, the old uh, repeats of the Twilight the Twilight Zone and from Humanoids, uh, which is a, a relatively new publisher. We have a gorgeous hardcover uh, format uh, of a book called The Twilight Man, Rod Serling and the Birth of Television um, by uh, writer-artist uh, Corinne Shadmi. We recognize him as our sharply dressed and charming guide to the Twilight Zone, but the entertainment business uh, Rod Serling got a start in saw him as something very different. This angry young man pushed the boundaries of television through the lens of science fiction stories that explored the nature of humanity while rejecting notions of war, censorship and racism. But the monsters he crafted for the screen were far from the only ones that inhabited Serling's life, from PTSD to the struggles of working in the entertainment industry. Uh, it's a true story of the man behind the revolutionary type Twilight Zone. 180 pages, um, big format. Uh, looks sort of very stylized uh, in its uh, in its in its presentation, but a lovely looking book if you have any interest at all in uh, in that classic series. Um, so I might uh, make it a wee look at that. Um, and lastly, from Titan, uh, we uh, have the final, the beginning of the final arc of Blade Runner twenty thirty nine with uh, with number five of twelve. Uh, as a New York begins. Blade Runner 2039 goes to San Francisco. Reunited, Ash and Cleo take to the road in search of Cleo's missing mother. Will they survive the treacherous I-5 highway and can they escape the lingering threat of Neander Wallace's first angel, Love? Uh, this was the winner of Best Licensed Comic from Multiversity Comics uh, through the 12 issues of Blade Runner 2019, the 12 issues of Blade Runner 2029, and now the first uh, five issues of 2039. Uh, we're entering the the final arc of what has been an absolutely phenomenal maxi series or or series of maxi series. They've expanded the Blade Runner universe in a way that uh, you know that was far beyond either of the movies, um, and uh, really really worth having a look at if you've got any interested interest at all in, uh, in in Blade Runner. And of course, this this recently this this recent series twenty thirty nine features the character of Love from the Blade Runner 2049 movie. So it's it's the connective tissue between Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049. Highly recommended, and you can also get it in a series of, of nice, uh, I think, uh, trade paperbacks uh, if you're interested. So uh, that finishes it for me with Blade Runner 2039 number five from Titan. Yeah, the, the they put a lot of effort in those Blade Runner series. The Blade Runner Origins I really enjoyed, you know, the sort of setting up of the Blade Runner format and the Tyrell Corporation starting to get a foothold in what they were doing and so forth. So it fleshes out that world brilliantly and without the need for a, you know, $150 million movie, you know, there's tons of imagination in it, good character work, and yeah, just, as, as Keith says, it just expands that world really, really well. So 
So yeah, that is going to do it for us for the February previews book. As I said, majority of those titles are due in April, although there are a few, there were a few advanced solicits that we did highlight there as well. So yeah, tons of stuff to look forward to there. There, of course, are picks you can pop into the store anytime and have a look through the previews books. They're always up at the counter. Let us know if you you find something that we've missed. Uh, you can check out the, uh, as I say, DC Connect Online, Marvel, and then the main previews book. You can find the solicitations just with a quick Google search as well. Uh, and the cutoff point, I believe, for orders is the 24th of February. So, <clears throat> good few weeks to get them in. As I say, we got it out nice and early this time, as opposed to, here's the previous podcast, uh, cutoff points tomorrow. So... Uh, <laughs> So, as always, a, a, a hearty thanks to Keith for going through what the best of the upcoming titles are. Uh, and, again, I hope this proved useful to you guys, and I hope you've uh, maybe discovered a few new things there that maybe you didn't know what was coming out. So, uh, yeah, just get in touch. Let us know what you like added, if anything. And we will see you next week for a reviews podcast. We will be kicking off our very first reviews podcast of the year, covering all of our favourite titles from January, because, lo and behold... Keith and I are fully up to date. It's fantastic. <laughs> Start the year. Uh, I highly recommend, uh, highly recommend taking it, checking out our last week's podcast, which was we got out before the end of January, which was our best of 2022 podcast. Yeah, that was a, that was a fun one as well. So yeah, check that out on the podcast feed as well, guys. So as ever, thanks for listening. Hope it proved useful, and I uh, will look forward to seeing you in the store soon. So I've been Alan Taylor, and this has been Keith Miller. You can find Alan in store at Coffee and Heroes and on Twitter where Alan is at Coffee and Heroes 1 and I'm Ascanison00. Coffee and Heroes is a local comic book shop, coffee shop and community hub in Northern Ireland based at Smithfield Market in the centre of Belfast. You can find Coffee and Heroes on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram or email us at coffeeandheroes at hotmail.com. Make sure to check out our YouTube channel as well. The Coffee and Heroes podcast is available on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts and through all good podcast platforms. Please like and subscribe and leave a review so more people can find us. And until next time, happy reading and hope to see you in store.